Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. And welcome, Seekers, to episode number 153 of the podcast, God Beyond the Bible, the podcast created by Seekers and for Seekers. And uh, thank you for being back with us here in April as we're getting back in the trend. We kind of took a month off there and didn't warn anybody we were going to do it, but due to some sickness and lots yeah. of other stuff going on but we're back seems like once a year we'll have a little spell that, <laughs> that yeah. we have. usually end up having take off about a month a year of, of podcasting just we're thankful that you guys wait on us please, while we're yes thank you for your patience uh remember you know and i and i, I almost said something there so i said you know i started saying you know if we we're getting paid big money for this we'd be i don't think i would be anymore no Matter of fact, it'd feel like pressure then, yeah. like I had to do it. So I'm glad it's like it is. I can just, we can just do it. We try to be as dedicated as we can. Sure. We do, to, but we, you know, we each own, we own a business and especially around tax time, it tends to take a lot of our time and family always comes first for us. Sure. So it kind of gets put on the sidelines sometimes, but in a lot of ways, that's how we like it because we're not big on pressure and feeling confined yeah. i don't staff. need i don't need an extra job so exactly. we have plenty of obligations yeah, already don't need an extra job shout outs tracing yeah our shout outs are to monica alexki Lindsay, and to our listeners in melbourne we're glad to have you guys yeah. listening is that like Melbourne, Arkansas? Or, or Australia? Both, actually. Awesome. So oh, we I just have, threw we, out Melbourne. Melbourne, I was going to say, because we have a Melbourne here just a few counties away. <laughs> well, here, there so. is a Melbourne that is within the United States, and there's one in Australia, is oh, okay. all that it tells me. So, oh, Whichever so, okay. Melbourne's it oh, may so be. Oh, so it could be Melbourne any state. Yeah. Exactly. How about our quote, Tabitha? All right, it's from Stephen Atchison. He said, emotional pain is not something that should be hidden away and never spoken about. There is truth in your pain. There is growth in your pain, but only if it's first brought out into the open. That's good. Ooh. Of course, today's topic is, is Tabitha kind of gave us a little segue into, we're going to talk about heartache, heartbreak, emotional suffering. Uh, I think actually we had a listener about a year ago that asked us to do yes. one on heartache and, and we're just, I apologize, but you know, if the inspiration for me doesn't come, it just, I just can't force it, you know, to come. And this was kind of one that, I guess, in my memory, that was stuck in the back of my mind. So I can't remember who the listener was, but thank you for asking about this. And hopefully this will help and not too late. It's a year late. but I started to say, I'll try and send an email out to yeah. her. I believe I still have her email where she asked for it. And yeah. I'll let her know when this episode's coming yeah. out. 
Are we being presumptuous by making the assertion that every person has experienced heartache, heartbreak, and emotional suffering to varying degrees? That's not... No, everyone... Hasn't everyone... Do you know anybody unless they're four years old and... But even in, on some degree, don't you think even <laughs> yeah. at that age, you suffered some kind of... Well, you didn't, you didn't... Even if it was just being separated from your mom for a period of time or, or something. Or you didn't get to eat that candy yeah, or that cookie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I think a lot of times that I had someone use this analogy one time and I never really thought about it. But they said, do you know why newborns cry so much? It's because every not nice thing that they experience is literally the The worst worst thing that has ever happened in their lives. It is. And we tend to discount little kids when they have a breakdown, when mom Mm -hmm. walks out the door, but that's real fright and pain and a real experience to them. And that's emotional. We tend to discard those because we go, Oh, they're going to be fine. That's just, and they will be, but we can show a little compassion. If we were to try to define the main cause of emotional suffering, might we sum it up as a personal disappointment in life or in a relationship where the circumstance, the situation, or the relationship did not turn out as we desired or we expected it should have? Is that fair? I think so. I want to use the, because um, you guys know that I kind of like Buddhism. <laughs> I, I use it a lot. But in Buddhism, this is called the Samudaya, which roughly translated means suffering from the wants. From when the wants, W-A-N-T-S. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, wants. Yeah. yeah. When you're it. wanting something well, to turn out a certain the, way, I think it's, it causes it, you suffering. Is it Alan Watts that says that all of our suffering comes from our desire? Yes. So then you say, well, then I'll just stop desiring. But then you're desiring not to desire. Right. And you're just stuck in an endless <laughs> loop. <laughs> Some say the more we're accustomed to trying to control our circumstances in future, the more vulnerable we are to heartache, disappointment, and emotional suffering. Any opinions? This has been my life. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I am a, I'm a worrier. I always have been. I've gotten better, but I, I want to plan and I want to have the entire rest of my life laid out in this line. And guess what? That never works out. So really, you what we said before, it don't things don't turn out like we wrote the story. The story's it's not fitting our narrative. No, my of story life, never of fits. how this is supposed to to turn out. And you and we have to consider too. And this is where we've talked about our emotional investments and things in past episodes. But the more I expend my emotional energy into trying to create the circumstances that I want in the future, the more invested I am in that future and if it doesn't go the way that i planned the bigger the loss feels well you know there again and i told this to my grandson on a topic we were talking about i said son we're 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 not the directors of the movie we're not writing the movie yeah we're not directing it we're not we're not we're not the executive producer of the movie we're watching the movie step back and watch the movie Mm -hmm. don't try to make the movie turn out and that's hard have sometimes. The way you want like it it's have. very easy to say and sometimes Oh, very it is very hard. hard. But he's young and he can mm-hmm. adapt to that very, a lot easier than we can. Many people have resorted to stoicism. Are you all familiar with that? Yes. As a method of avoiding this type of emotional suffering. I mean, I, I thought of once and I thought, well, I could try that. And I thought, I don't want to be that. But anyway, stoicism is defined as a philosophy founded by Zeno of Sidium. And I don't even know if that, either one of those are pronounced right. Sure. About 300 B.C., and this it was based on the idea that holding that the wise man should be free from passion 
unmoved by joy or grief, and submissive to natural law and events. Any comments? I have a book that I got a long time ago, and honestly, I have not even cracked it open. <laughs> but it's called The Five Levels of Detachment. Which is Stoicism. And there's something about that title that hinders me. At the time that I got it, I was really emotionally invested in this yeah. certain thing, and I was really suffering, and I was like, okay, I'm going to read. But there's something scary about not feeling anything to me. you know. And, and that's what I feel like Stoicism is, is you just, you're kind of just... Without risk, guys, there will never be reward. <clears throat> and if you take away the ability to feel joy, passion, love, all of those things. Or even grief. I was going to say, but if you feel those things, you have to feel the opposite of, do yeah, you not? You, you, have no, you, have, you have no relative basis. Right. You have nothing reference. You can't reference it. We've talked about this before. If you've never had, you can't fully understand joy till you've had some grief you won't enjoy a sunny spring day if you haven't just come through winter well and i i have tried many different because we've made no about our own emotional and mental health issues and i have tried many different medications for my anxiety and depression and some of those have made me that way where i just feel like nothing yeah i'm not happy i'm not sad i'm not that's not a way to live no it's not for the most part, aren't we kind of critical of those people talking about stoicism and being stoic? Aren't we kind of critical of those people who don't show the normal emotional response to tragedy and suffering of others? Yes. And, for example, you know, let's take a court trial where the accused, the defendant, the accused takes the stand, the stand and often the media will describe him, him or her in a critical sense of being stoic, demonstrating no emotion especially no lack of remorse. We, we, we're we really critical of that, aren't we? We're, we're, we are. We're, we're frightened of people that don't. We have words for them, you know, they're inhuman and cold and heartless. and. But, I mean, you can look at Trace and, and myself. I am I am an emotional person. I will cry at the drop of a hat. It doesn't matter. And it could be because well, I'm happy, sad, I do, mad, I do, well, or anything I can do else. that. I can, yeah. Tracen is much more controlled in her emotions. Yeah. Because I can say something expecting a reaction, and I get <laughs> nothing. nothing. yeah. After she's had time to process it, she'll come back and she'll have. But that, and that's a big difference. And that's why she and I sometimes don't meet up on that level. Yeah. Because we're very different in the way we react. So some folks try to avoid the pitfalls of heartache and emotional suffering by being what might be described as cold and indifferent. But is living life without making any emotional investment in anything or anyone really living? I mean, in no, your opinion? No, it's not at all. On that topic, do you think we may be guilty of becoming overly emotionally invested in things that we really that really don't concern us? Or at least in things we can't positively influence or change? I mean, see, there's a fine tightrope yes. here. Because there's so many things. there. I can't watch TV without five different things wanting me to get emotionally involved enough to send them nineteen ninety five a month. I have to tell you guys this. We had a friend who passed away several years ago. And she, sometimes I'd tell her she had too much time on her hands. But she had this court case that came up. And it was a really famous case. And the court trial was all televised. And she would call me crying in the evenings because of things that happened on this court trial during the day. Was it some celebrity or something? She going did to... not know these people. 
Oh. She had never had any tyings into the case except for the news so media she coverage. Gets, she and she would get beside herself over these things that were going on. And it just, it would kind of completely blow my mind. But she was so, it wasn't a fake reaction, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. She was emotionally in. invested in the things. And when the end of the case came about, she was inconsolable for days because of the way that court case with these people that she didn't even know had turned out. Hmm. In your personal opinion, is emotional suffering at least as difficult as physical suffering, if not worse? I would rather suffer physically. Uh, yeah. I heard someone, I've heard it twice, and I don't know, maybe it's something I'm listening to at night when I'm sleeping because I've heard it twice. Uh, we can all see a broken leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can imagine what that feels like. When we see somebody with a bro- I've had a broken leg. I can imagine what that feels like. Uh, we know that a broken heart's just as real, but we can't see it. So since we can't see it, can we actually relate to it? I think we have a tendency to not. But the suffering's just as real. In fact, like Tracen said, which would you rather have, a broke leg or a broken heart? They can give me some painkillers for the broke leg. Uh, yeah, you know. Speaking of physical suffering, there are often avenues of relieving the suffering, just <laughs> as you said, but at least on a temporary basis. But sometimes it's not so much for those who are suffering emotionally. Is it not that easy, cut and dry to me? Oh, your leg's broke. Let us fix that and give you some painkillers. Oh, your heart's broke. Hmm. You'll be okay. Get Snap out. out of it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and even the ones, and this is why I really encourage you if you, if you have something, heartbreak, grief, if you cannot get over it, going to your PCP is fine. Primary but care. But sometimes yeah. the answer is not just an antidepressant. I'm not saying that it won't help. But you, they're not you trained in anything but give you about your, it. Your primary care physician is not trained in anything but give guys, you a it, chemical drug. Right. If you're not in a place, you know, because I know it's it's exceptionally hard for those of us here in the rural <clears> South <throat> to find a place within reason of a reasonable drive that offers mental health care and things like that. There are places online now where they oh, will yeah. call you or text you or video chat with you or you can sit at your computer and talk to them. Seek help in any Take manner. Advantage of the yes. And sometimes it. it's better to go someone. Talk to someone that doesn't know you. You know, so we'll talk to your pastor. Talk. That's a good place to start. But you're also worried about what he's going to think of you. He knows you. You're in the church. You're going to be. Sometimes go it's good to go to someone completely objective. And let's be honest, going to a pastor is fine, but you know where they're going to steer you toward. He has. Sometimes. He has. He has. Not that he means that way. He's has your best interest sure. in, but he also has a job and an agenda. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yes. And he's kind of, he has that one tool in his toolbox. This is where he has to steer you back. And it's. Is it fair to say that any emotional investment we make in anything or anyone has the potential to bring emotional suffering? Yes. I mean, anytime you. Yes. Any, any relationship of any kind, business, Mm -hmm. personal, romantic. Have you ever heard anyone say, or perhaps even said it yourself? I'm through with relationships. The pleasure and the benefits aren't worth the disappointments and the heartbreak. I've I know people. It. I've I know. heard it said. And I mean, we do the same thing. We tend to want to throw up that card every time we have any sort of loss, whether it's from a romantic relationship <laughs> or even a loss of a pet. I'm never going to have another animal in this house. I'm not mm-hmm. going to get attached to another one. I'm not 
going to go through this pain because we're hurt. Many professionals agree that we must work through heartache and heartbreak using the same stages as grieving over anticipating our own death or even the death of a loved one. And those five stages that we're familiar with are first denial. You know, we're, this isn't happening. This can't be happened. This isn't supposed to happen. I can't believe this has happened. I'm not going to accept this as. This isn't real. Yeah. So we do that, don't we, with heartbreak? Yes. Because that's our, you know, same way as we do with being told we're dying or any situation that's really traumatic to us or that someone close to us has died. Then it turns to anger. Mostly spent on looking for somebody to blame for the disappointing outcome, right? Uh, yes. And sometimes I have spent a lot of time in this stage before ever being able to move on. Well, Am I going to blame me? Am I going to blame them? Am I going to blame we, some outside third we party? Sell, yeah, that's what we usually do. I've seen this in people that really get in this. They'll blame, this guy over here caused my wife to leave me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bargaining. I'll just be a better person. I'll change. I won't make those mistakes again. I'll change my whole life. Sometimes bargaining with God. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. I've done that. I'll, sure. I'll be in church every Sunday. I will read mm-hmm. my Bible every day. I have actually said those things. If you'll just. Do if the, you know that this. God goes, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You made this bargain three weeks ago, and you still haven't been to church. Well, the whole point yeah. of it is he don't care. He exactly. It doesn't. It's like he would really say, and how's that supposed to influence me? Exactly. How's exactly. that supposed to influence this whole situation? How, how does that one got anything to do with the other? See? Of course, after the bargaining, then comes the depression. A deep sense of helplessness and hopelessness. And we can't see any avenue of ever being happy again. That's what we're really stuck in when we're in heartache and heartbreak or something. Mm-hmm. I just don't ever see my mm-hmm. life ever being happy again. I'll never see joy again. Been there before. And then finally, if we go through the stages like we should, we'll get to acceptance. We accept that no matter how painful it is and how difficult life will be after this experience, we realize and reluctantly move on with life. And I think in some ways that's the hardest stage is... Now, some people try to jump to that before they experience... A lot of people jump to the acceptance before they ever experience any of the, they don't go through the others. So they leave those undone. They leave the denial. They leave the anger. They leave the bargaining. They leave the depression. All of that is still right under the surface, mm-hmm. just hovering under there. And those don't get addressed. So I'm saying these are important steps. They are. You become a powder keg when you skip yeah. the steps and you don't yeah. process everything through. You just, you're waiting to explode. The problem is some folks actually do get stuck in one of these stages and they mm-hmm. never move on. Therefore, their heartache has paralyzed them, preventing them from living any good or higher quality of life. Uh, for instance, some pass from denial into anger only to become stuck there. These folks are angry, bitter people. Yes, I was there. I spent probably... I would say conservatively a good two years of my life stuck in anger and bitterness and just I, I could people, not move on from that. I know people And usually who are that's angry a state of other bitter. people are causing my pain. It's everybody else is causing oh, me this pain. I didn't blame myself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> and, it, and it was, it was a, a conflict that I was in and I just could not seem to resolve it. And I, I let it get the best of me for a long time. Whoever they are, it was always their fault. Mm-hmm. Well, some never make the transition from depression to acceptance. 
they get stuck in a cycle of feeling hopeless and helpless. Yes. Uh, it's when we get stuck in one of these stages that we really need professional help, people. But yet we often are reluctant to seek it out. Why do you think that is? There is still such, and it's much better, I know, than it was, especially when you were younger. But there is <clears throat> such a stigma around going to a mental health well, provider. It's part of our ego, though. That makes us, was, why is everybody else coping? Not everybody's going to. Not everyone is going to these. So why should I go? This person over here, they don't go to one. They've never gone to, and they seem plenty. But, you know, what they seem and what's in real life might be uh, totally different, too. And, you know, <clears throat> they may be better. Those, they may be better at covering it up and dealing with it. Even many of those who go don't mention to other people that they go. A lot more people than you would probably guess are or have been in therapy. Well, for me, it was it was part pride. I didn't mm-hmm. want to admit that I couldn't, you know. But I also struggle with the guilt because even when I was going through these stages, and all I can do is speak from my personal experience, sure. even when I was, I had this little nugget in my head that was saying, you are bigger than this. Yeah. You need to, and it's like you, you get that rational part that says, let it go. Let it go, but then you can't. And it was just, it was a guilt for me that I could not get over this by myself, that I couldn't, you know. I know I have all the tools in my toolbox. Why can I not use mm-hmm. them? Should we point out here, and I think it's important that we point out here, uh, if we're someone who's trying to befriend someone who's suffering heartache, loss, you know, emotional, that we should avoid the toxic cliches and phrases that really don't help. I mean, this is one of my pet peeves about all is these uh, all those cliches, and I call them toxic cliches. Mm-hmm. I think they are. They actually just frustrate the suffering person. They're like Job's buddies coming to him. You know, uh, you know, we all keep them in our toolbox. You know, the ones like we know that everything works together for the good of those that love the Lord. Oh yeah. Now, does that really help on any level? When someone's suffering? No, it doesn't. Really? Does it help? Go back to where you're in your suffering. Does that help you in your suffering at all? No. No. Or to say to someone who just lost a young child or one of their children in death, God just picked that beautiful flower for his own garden. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So God don't care how much that hurts me. He just wants it. And I think... Sometimes see, you see what yeah you see what and we do that stuff thinking we're really I was gonna say it's the best. I have a certain person in my life that will reach out to me if if I'm going through if someone's going through something and and they always attach a Bible verse yeah, or one yeah. of these cliches and for a long time it really kind of just upset me well, and I sure. was like ugh. I've tried to come to realize that that's the only that's way all they, they know. know how. It's only tool they've and got it's in the meant box. With the best of intentions, yeah, they have no other tools. That they've opened up the toolbox, and this is what I've got. But it makes I've got me kind of sad for them when they're. I've got going a hammer and something. a flat screwdriver. <laughs> yeah, if that's all they have, yeah, it's sure. just those cliches. But where do we get that? That's the church. That's that's what the church deals with. It is with cliches. That's we're we're all about cliches. About living life with cliches. And, and sometimes, guys, it's okay just to go to the person who just lost someone and go, I don't know why this happens either, and it sucks, but I'm here. Yeah. I'm here, and I love you. Yeah, yep. don't know. Don't know. If you want to talk about it, and you can ask all the questions, and I probably don't have any answers. But just if you feel better to ask them, ask the questions. Yeah. 
One more thing we might point out. Because you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say on that. It makes the people feel better if you don't know either. But if you act like you know, and then they, they feel less. Then they say, then how can I, why, why can't I know? Mm-hmm. That's true. That's very true. And you're actually lying. You're putting <clears throat> up a lying front. Because you're actually saying, if this was happening to me, here's would be my attitude. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. <laughs> That's why I no. call them toxic cliches. You can't say, this is how I would handle it. Mm-hmm. And that person then is looking at you and saying, well, then why can't I handle it that way? And it just frustrates and makes it worse. And this causes these huge messes in churches that we have been in where we're sitting in Sunday school and all of us know the answers and none of us know what the meaning is behind the answers. We can't explain how we came to them. We just sort of pass them off on a surface Well, we we'll go get that out slot number. Okay, it would go over. It's one across, three down. <laughs> there it is. There's yep. the answer right there. That's it. That's the one I'm looking for. It's pretty close. Right. It's pretty close to what, what I'm looking for. Uh, one more thing we might point out is some folks stay stuck in one of these stages of grief so long they become so familiar like an old friend that they subconsciously are so comfortable with it that they are afraid to move on. Now, this usually happens in stages of anger and depression. This may sound a little harsh, but often that is why some folks won't seek outside help or counseling because they have grown accustomed to living life in anger or feeling sorry for themselves, seeing themselves as victims. Yes. That's harsh, mm-hmm. but I've done that. Mm-hmm. I've been there, and I know we get so comfortable with this. We think, well, what would my life be? We're afraid of what a life would be like without holding on to this. Mm-hmm. If Who I turn am this, I if, if I, I do not have this? Yeah, that becomes your identity. This bitterness, this anger, this depression becomes this one thing that happened to me one time in my life has so colored my life, that's the color of my life. Right. I can't change colors. Yeah. I can't change colors. Because if I change colors now, it meant it really wasn't that important. And I've wasted these 25 years wallowing in that. Mm-hmm. I think You see, I, the, you see the cycle and the dilemma that, that goes on? Because I've counseled with people that I knew <clears throat> they were dealing with. I've told you about the woman that I counseled. And she would call me every Sunday morning before I go. She didn't come to church. To the church never did. But, how she, but she'd call me and she'd talk about it. And every time it'd go back to her husband. And finally, I asked her. I said, because I kind of knew the, some of the story. I said, you're 50-something years old. I think she's 55. I said, when did your husband leave you? When I was 30. Oh, my goodness. See, yeah. That's so sad. A quarter of a century of her life wasted. She never called me back, but I said, sis, let me tell you something. You're stuck in a bitterness here that you're so accustomed to. That's your life. Yeah. You're going to have to get past If you don't never get past that, this is how you will spend. You're calling me like you're wanting relief from this. You're, you're, you're wallowing in something you've spent. 30 years of your life, 25 years of your life, wallowing in this. This has controlled your life, but she never called me back. So she didn't want. She wasn't ready for that. But maybe one day down the road, hopefully. She can look back on well, that Well, I think she did. She actually, I heard, got married here a year or two ago. Good. That's wonderful. I mean, she's like close to 70 now. But hey. But you hear those things. I mean... When someone tells you a truth that you don't want to hear, even if you're not ready to hear it, it still sort of floats around in the back of your mind. I think it depends on how it's presented to you. Yeah. And who it is. Who it is. Sometimes the the speaker can say it in the best possible way. And it's, if it's that person that's saying it, don't. Yeah. And that's why I hesitate. I am one, 
I tend to just not say anything anymore. And then I think sometimes later I'm like, maybe I should have spoke. Should I say something? Maybe I should, but you just, you never know. In your opinion, has the organized church done very well at dealing with its folks who are suffering from heartbreak and disappointment? I mean, is the church's main go-to the same as we've talked about as often is for any challenging issue? You need to get in church, read your Bible, and pray. And and maybe you need to go to this Bible study that we're having. Yeah, get this group. We've got a group here that if you'll get involved in this group, and there are people your age, and there are people that's, you know. I don't think I... And I know we're trying. I'm not picking on... I know the church is trying all this, but we... I don't think we take... We assume... Here's what we do in the church. We're assuming we have all the answers, and we don't. And we think we have all the... Well, the only... the, The solution is God. That's real simple, right? Yeah. I mean, that's real. Well, we've got the solution. The solution is God. And sometimes... God's the answer. Jesus is the answer. Well, you know, guys, that is really cold-hearted. Yeah. It really is. Is it fair to say that to be human is to suffer heartbreak and disappointment? Uh, We have no real control over those who may disappoint and grieve us. However, we do have control over how we react and respond to those inevitable periods of heartache grief is normal and necessary when we suffer heartache and loss but becoming stuck in our heartache will leave us feeling helpless hopeless bitter unwilling to take a chance on happiness and joy ever again don't be ashamed to seek professional help your quality of life is more important than any circumstance any situation anything you're dealing with your ego your happiness your joy is more important than any of that stuff if we if if you had if you had a hand that was hurting you and it was a growth in it and it was deteriorating right in front of your eyes, you would go show that to somebody and say, could you help me with mm-hmm. this? I've done everything I know to do. But it's funny. I know that's easy to say. It's hard to do when it's an emotional it issue. It is hard to do, but you are not beyond deserving joy and happiness. And it is out there for you. You just may need, maybe it's strictly you know, talking therapy that you need. Maybe you need some medication to kind of get you over the hump. Whatever it is, there is something out there that will make you feel better, and you deserve that. We'll help you. It'll help you. It's not going to solve it for you. It's not going to no. fix it for you. Right. It but will it will just help. help. You. Uh, I think sometimes, though, when somebody has hurt us, and we, the thought of getting over it is scary because that means that person's forgiven and they're off the hook. Do you ever oh think of gosh, that? Yes. You ever think yes, of that? Yes. Now that if I if I quit being bitter about this, that person's off the hook. Right? right? I'm not letting them off the hook like that. Absolutely, because most of the time <laughs> that person has never admitted any part. But yeah. let me tell of you, harming you. And I they're guess, not going to. But it's ego. I yeah. guess I'm not really a forgive and forget kind of person. I had a lady tell me one time. She said the thing about forgiveness is that you always want to believe that you are forgiving someone and that you have to extend that forgiveness to them you never have to tell them that they're forgiven no you don't she said i've let it go many many times she said but that person will never hold a place in my life again and i will never tell them that they are forgiven because i don't think that they deserve that and it's not a bitterness i've let it go for me and that's all i have to do if you can do that I mean, more power yeah. to you. And it's, yeah, because, yeah, a lot of people will just not let it go. But anyway, are we finished? I think so. so. Uh, and so for all of you that are suffering right now, there's people going to be listening to this that are right now in the throes of heartache, 
disappointment, emotional suffering, and all of that. So hopefully this will help you some. That's what we intend to do. And as always, till next time, may God's unconditional grace, peace, and love be on, in, and radiate out from each of you, our fellow seekers from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.